from you and how thankful I am for what you did and what you're doing and for just the work that God's doing in our midst. And I mean, good day. So more of that needs to more of that needs to happen, really. Um, I'm so uh, excited about the well. For the second thing too, I want to reiterate: thank you for parking. Uh, you know, as you have for those of you that went down the street. Thank you. I know that wasn't exactly comfortable and easy, but I really, you really are. It really is a ministry, you know, and uh, just just need to think of it like that. Like you're literally making space for someone. That's a good thing. That's a Jesus thing. So thank you for that. Um, and, you know, boy, if the Lord prompts you, we could sure use some drivers because I hear it over and over again. There's probably, I don't know, I'm not even going to throw a number out, but there's a, there's a good hand, good bunch of people that would love to be able to participate and come to church, but they don't have a ride. And man, that could be a ministry for somebody. If you got a minivan, you know, just pick up a few people. It'd be uh, great. I'd even be willing to share gas with you, you know, that'd be, uh, we could do it together. So this morning, I'm really excited because I actually get to get into the book of Galatians. Woo! Finally, it's been months that, that we've been, that I've been preparing for this, and I'm very, very excited about it. So uh, if you want to turn to the letter of Galatians, it's in the New Testament, we're going to be there in a second, but um, I got a question for you as we get started. So here it is. Are you a Christian or are you just religious? Because there's a difference, you know. It's possible to be a Christian and it's possible to be religious and not be a Christian. Very possible. Um, Like, what's the point of doing good without being good? You ever think about that? Like, some people, we do all these good things, you know? And that's religion. Religion does all these good things. But it's like, what's the point without actually being good? It doesn't really last. It doesn't go anywhere. I mean, so you help an old lady across the street, you know, big deal. If, if it's not, if you're not being good. You follow what I'm saying? And the danger is this. The most dangerous thing to your soul is church. You need to be more, oh, more wary of church than you do of the world. Say, well, that's why. Well, because the dangers of the world are obvious. You know, the homosexual agenda is shoved down your throat every day. You know, you're fed. I mean, it's, it's right in your face, you know? I mean... You want to go shoot up? Well, no, that's obvious. No. I mean, you want to go to the nude bar? Well, no, that's obvious. It's all obvious. But in the church, the dangers are very subtle. And the, and the, and the problem is the appearance is that, well, everything's cool because I, I'm going through the right motions. I'm doing the right things. So I must be right. And see what I mean? So that's why I say the most dangerous thing to your soul is actually the church, it's not the world. And um, that is what the letter of Galatians is really about. That in a nutshell, that's the, that's, that's the thrust of it. 
You, the Apostle Paul is writing this little letter to the Galatians. The Galatians was not a church. It was actually a region like central Connecticut. And so when we go later on, we're going to do uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians in the next coming months and a while. So Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians, like those are specific churches, the church at Ephesus, Colossae, Philippi. Galatians was actually multiple churches, maybe a dozen churches. And so Paul sends this letter, and the letter gets circulated around to these churches in Galatia, okay? And, and here's the problem. Paul is probably the most religious guy that you'd ever want to know. And yet, Paul has this encounter with Jesus that absolutely changes his life. And then Paul shares that everywhere he goes. And he goes into Galatia, and he's starting to talk about Jesus and these Greeks, they're pagan Greeks. I mean, you, you've studied it in school at all. You know, I mean, they were, they were a rough crowd. And Paul's telling them about Jesus, and these guys are beginning a relationship with Jesus, and, like, their lives are changing, and they're experiencing freedom and joy unlike they've ever had before, right? And then Paul moves on, because, God, that's, that was Paul's ministry. He's moving on to start other churches and after Paul, in comes this group called the Judaizers. And that was their name. And they were Jewish Christians. And they come into the Galatian churches, and they say, you know, this whole Jesus thing you got, that's good and all. That's really good, good. But if you want to be a real Christian, you've got to be Jewish. And you've got a Greek audience. None of them were circumcised. They didn't practice that. And so these guys, the Judaizers, go, well, uh, you know, the men need to get circumcised. And, oh, by the way, there's this whole, all these festivals that we do as Jews that you're going to have to start doing. And uh, have you seen the dietary restrictions? You know, the Greeks loved pork. You know how the Jews felt about pork, right? So, by the way, no more bacon. I don't know which would be a tougher sell, get circumcised or never eat bacon again. Like, that's a really rough one, you know? So, so these guys are, so these, so these Judaizers are selling all this to, to these Greek Christians, and they're buying it, you know? And slowly but surely, their life, get, the, 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 the spiritual life just gets sucked out of them. And they become... The freedom and the joy that they were experiencing in an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ becomes just overlaid with, you know, festivals and feasts and circumcision and no bacon and all that stuff. And Paul gets wind of it. So Paul's away. He's out of town. He's doing his thing over here. Paul gets wind of this happening. Paul gets absolutely livid. In fact, the letter to Galatians, Galatians is the angriest book in the Bible. You won't find a book any angrier. As we will see this morning, in the first chapter, Paul curses twice. Now, we don't see it in English. They sort of numb it down a little bit for us when we're reading. They tame it up for us, you know. But I'll read it. You'll see. He is hopping mad. Why would he be so mad? Well, because the most dangerous thing to your soul 
It's not the world. These Galatians, they weren't going back to their pagan Greek stuff. They're, the danger for them wasn't that they're going back to the Greek bathhouses and, you know, all the stuff they were doing before. The danger was they were becoming more and more and more religious. And as a result, they were getting further and further and further and further from Jesus. And Paul's like, that's got to stop. And so you have here a man, you have like a parent who sees their child in the middle of the highway running after him going, right? I mean, it kind of might look like you're mad when you chase your kid into the street and pull him out. That's what you've got with Paul in the book of Galatians. And that's why I ask you, so are you a Christian or are you just religious? And maybe even this is your, this is your story. This is probably more likely your story. It's the, I gave my heart to Christ, and man, it's like the, the, the blinders got taken off, and I mean, everything's new, and it's so exciting, and I'm reading the Bible, and it's just popping off the page, you know, I'm eating it up, and I come to church, and like the worship is like, I never heard music like that before, I thought church was kind of boring, and you, you know, wow, that's one, and you hear this, and then, but over time, time maybe that was a year ago or six years ago or ten years ago and over time you've become stodgy and cold and hard and dead and dry and lifeless you know what's happened religion religion has happened you got religion it's a bad thing and you need to get back to Jesus that's a good thing so let's read the first chapter. My goal here is we're going to actually read every word of the book of Galatians as we go through the whole series. This morning, we'll just read chapter one, okay? And uh, I'll start with verse one. And what I'm going to do is do this so that you get the sense for it, because I can't necessarily teach every single verse, although I could, but I'm not. So what I want to do is just sort of read it with the inflection that comes from the, from the Greek, from Paul's original language. So you get the sense for what he's saying and what's happening. So it goes, Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers and sisters with me to the churches in Galatia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be glory forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. I am astonished. I am flabbergasted. I am blown away that you are so quickly deserting, turncoating, Denying God, right? Benedict Arnold, sort of, that's what that is, to military desertion. Quick, quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ, and you're turning to a different gospel, which really isn't a gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we 
or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, God damned them. The word there is anathema. Damn. He goes, you get the sense he's hot. As we have already said, now I say again, if anybody, I don't care who they are, is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, God damn them. Am I trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Am I, or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I wouldn't be a servant of Christ. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached, it's not of human origin. I didn't receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. So I'm not making this stuff up, people. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and I tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. I didn't go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was. Instead, I went into Arabia. I went out to the desert. And later I returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem. So it took me three years for this to sink in. Then I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas, who's Peter, the Apostle Peter. Stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, well, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that what I'm writing you is no lie. Then I went to Syria and Cilicia. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. So the key verse here is this. You see verse 6? Paul's like, I'm astonished. You guys are giving up the gospel and you're going with another gospel, which isn't even really a gospel. Because the other gospel, you see, is a list of things to do, right? The word gospel means good news. So is it like, is it like this? Rob, good news, more rules for you to follow. Does that sound like good news to you? Right, that's what Paul's saying. I can't believe you're going after this other gospel. It ain't even a gospel. It's, just, it's silly, you guys. If that's the case, then, what's the difference between a false gospel and the true gospel? So there is a big difference. There is the true gospel, and then there are false gospels. By the way, there's only one true gospel. And then there, everything else is a false gospel. How do I know the difference? A couple of things give you a tip as to the difference between the two. The true gospel, the true gospel comes from God. Paul even said that in verse 11, didn't he? He goes, I didn't even, I'm not making this stuff up, guys. I can't try from God. The true gospel is all motivated by God. It all, it, God starts it, God initiates it, 
God does it. That's the true gospel. False gospels are from man. The false gospels and religion says, here's what you have to do in order to earn your way to God. Here's what you have to do to become good enough. Sign this paper, say this prayer, you know, do this, do that, and then you're good enough. You hear the difference? The true gospel, God is reaching down to you. The false gospels, you are doing your best to reach up to God. That's the first thing. Second difference between them is the true gospel elevates Jesus. Who's the hero? Who's the hero? Jesus, you got it. Jesus is clearly the hero, friends, right? You and I were stuck beyond measure. Jesus got us unstuck. Who paid the price? Jesus. Who died on the cross? Jesus. Who conquered the grave? Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. It elevates Jesus. The false gospel elevates people. It says, you can do it. You, you put these things together. You can do X, Y, Z, and then you'll make it. God will surely let you in. He wouldn't. He wouldn't let a good person like you go to hell. <sighs> no, never. Plenty of good people frying. The true gospel elevates Jesus. The false gospel elevates people. The true gospel, the third thing is, the true gospel, uh, the true gospel is honest about our sin. You notice how much the Bible doesn't pull any punches when it talks about our sin? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is no one righteous, no, not one. In fact, the Bible says your righteousness is like filthy rags. It says we're all like sheep. We've gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. On and on and on and on. The Bible, it's like, man, the Bible's constantly putting me down. No, it's not. The gospel speaks the truth about the condition of your soul in order to give you the cure, right? So the true gospel is honest about your sin. You and I have blown it. You and I have, we're, we are filthy, rotten sinners. That's what we are. False gospels, they downplay your sin. You're not that bad. You're, you're, I mean, yeah, okay, you told a few lies, you got a few parking tickets, but it's really not, not a big deal. See, the false gospels downplay the condition of your sin in order to cover it over, in order to somehow placate you, make you feel better about yourself. The gospel says, no, look, you've got cancer, and you are sure to die. Oh, but the good news is there's a cure, and that's the next part. The true gospel says Jesus is the only way. He's the cure. False gospels say Jesus is a way. He's a, I mean, you got Jesus, Muhammad, Buddha, Harry Krishna, whatever. They're all, all, all up there playing cards and yucking it up, and you know, it's however you want to do it. That's, that's a false gospel, right? False gospel, Jesus is a way. Jesus might work for you, but not for me. It's a, you know, so he, whatever works for you. No, the true gospel says there is one way. You have a really bad problem called sin. You can't fix it. God gave you one all-sufficient way to fix that problem. Jesus, 
and that's it. And I love it when people say, oh, I don't think that's fair. I say, that's really fair. Listen, God made it really simple. Really simple. It's, here's the one way, right? How much easier can it get? One way. <laughs> you follow? True gospel. And then the next thing is the true gospel invites you into a relationship whereas false gospels invite you into religion. You notice the true gospel? It says, look, you've got this sin problem and it's really nasty and you can't fix it, but Jesus has come to fix it. He's the one way. And if you would just receive his healing and his forgiveness, what does God do? God's like, okay, then I'll put you in my club. No, what he does is I'm going to make you my family. He invites you into a relationship. Oh, not only am I going to make you my family, Jesus goes, I'm going to make you a fellow inheritor of the inheritance of the kingdom of God, right? Co-heirs of the kingdom of God. I mean, not only that, Jesus goes, in fact, I'd kind of like to be your husband. I'd kind of like to spend all of eternity in a marriage love relationship with you. That's the gospel. False gospel locks you into religion. Okay, great. Glad you're here today. Did you sign our paper? Now you know uh, you've got to start. To, there's three Bible studies a week and two prayer meetings, and you have to do that. And if you're going to be really a good Christian, you know, you have to probably should put away your Aussie shirt. You don't want to wear Aussie to church. That's probably not going to be good. And, uh, you know, I mean, well, right? That's religion. Starts laying out all the rules, all the do's and the don'ts, right? Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus says, come follow me. Come follow me. That's what he does. Now, you go, the temptation with a message like this is you say, oh. And a lot of people have taken the book of Galatians and used it as a license to completely go off the deep end. You can. You can take Galatians and abuse it. And, and use it as a license to do anything and do anyone that you want, right? You can, but that would be completely taking it the wrong way. See, here's the thing. You can go to, I'll just use it this way. You can go to church five days a week, let's say, and not be religious at all. And you can go to church five days a week and be very religious. The behaviors look very similar, but the motive is extremely different. I hope you can grab a hold of that. So what does the real gospel look like? How does the real gospel work? Paul lays that out for us right here in Galatians 1. So if they're buying into the false gospel, which is no gospel at all, then what's the real gospel? Well, he tells you that in verse 4. Jesus gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age. Do you get that? There's two parts of the gospel. Sin, really bad. Jesus rescued us, really good. There's the gospel. But then Paul fleshes it out. Verses 13 to 16. I wanted just to park here for a minute because this is pretty neat. This is how it works in your life and mine. Look at verse 13 through 16, okay? Just take that paragraph. He says, you have heard about my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. 
I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. So you've heard about my previous way of life in Judaism. Here's how the gospel works in your life and mine. Every one of us has a previous way of life. Doesn't it? You do, I do, we all have one. Paul goes, my previous way of life was Judaism. What's your previous way of life? How would you fill in the blank? You might go, oh, my previous way of life, I was into Catholicism. I, uh, I was an altar boy, and I went through CCD, and I checked off all the boxes, I did all this, right? Or you might say, in my former way of life, I was into hedonism. I was the party boy, man, I did it all, and right, that was me. My previous way of life, I was into humanism. I felt that just people were good and everybody's good. And the problem with people is that our society is bad and everybody's just good, just be good. I was into humanism. Whatever ism, what was your ism? Every one of us has one in my previous way of life. And Paul goes, this is who I was. In my previous way of life, I was into Judaism. I, man, I was, and he was good, wasn't he? I was advancing. I was ahead of all my peers. I was really good into Judaism. And then verse 15, but, oh, that's a good but. But when God, notice who initiates it? God. Again, hear the difference? False gospel, man to God. True gospel, God to man. So Paul goes, my previous way of life, I'm into Judaism, but when God, when God, uh, who set me apart from my mother's womb, oh, friends, this is where it gets good, please. Now's the time to listen. If you weren't before, now's the time to listen, because this is when it gets really good. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb, that word set me apart means to define the horizons. You know, God had high dreams and high hopes for you. He did. That the moment you were conceived, there was nobody more delighted than the God of the universe. That, Because there's nobody that waited longer for you to be born than God. Now, don't confuse that. Some people teach the pre-existence of the human soul. Mormons do that. They believe that there's just a whole bunch of souls floating around up in heaven, and they're waiting for bodies. And that's why Mormons have big families, because, you know, you've got to give bodies to all these souls. That's not biblical. That's not the truth. I'm not suggesting you were pre-existent. Friend, you didn't begin until your father's sperm united with your mother's egg. Boom! Life started for you. But Ephesians chapter 1 says that before God ever created the galaxies, he saw you. So you didn't exist when God was creating the galaxies, but God saw you, and God knew you. And it says here, he goes, God set your horizons while you were still in your mother's womb. You were, you were just a little, you know, and God's like, whoa, I've got a purpose. I've got a design, and it's good. God's purpose for you is, I can guarantee you it's good. It's not a bad purpose. God's not like, oh, here, I'm going to make an idiot. You know, he doesn't do that. You might feel like he did that with you, but he doesn't do that. God's like, I'm going to make 
something really good here and he sets high horizons that's what it means that's part of now we're going to get into it when we get there but that's what predestination means it's a predetermined destiny that God says this is your destiny your destiny is good it's really good now do people miss their destinies yeah people miss their destination all the time that's why we need Jesus to get us back on the right track so Paul goes so it begins you follow you follow how the gospel works here's my previous way of life I'm just doing my thing whatever his he's doing his Judaism thing and then God but all the while here's what God's doing behind the scenes God starts when Paul's just a zygote setting his horizons Paul God starts the same in your life you're in your mother's womb setting your horizons dreaming big dreams for you and then it goes on it doesn't stop there God set me apart from my mother's womb called me by his grace so the moment you're born God starts dialing your number right and and you're just again you're still in your previous way of life right you're just doing your thing and God's dialing the number one of the coolest things that I love to do I've done it in life group numerous times over the years is to sit down and do a timeline of your life of major events you know I moved here first day of school there somebody died there I got married there my children were born there you know you go through all these major events in your life and it's so cool to go back over that and see the hand of God at work I love to be able to talk to people and go can you see God there oh wow yeah and God there yeah and you see God called you right he's dialing your number and most of the time most of us are ignorant to his call but he's calling that's why the word grace is so important because remember your previous way of life okay you know what okay what you were doing it wasn't good so God had every reason to stop calling you right you gave God lots of reasons to just hang up and be done with you and yet he didn't did he he didn't did he he's like I'm gonna keep, maybe this will get through maybe this time they'll pick up maybe this time it's the gospel follow this my former way of life I'm doing this unbeknownst to me God starts when I'm still in the womb setting my horizons I'm born God starts calling me right and then look what happens next by his grace was pleased to reveal his son in me Whoa. that word reveal it means to lift off the covers so it's like Jesus was there all the time I just didn't see it and there's a day that comes in each one of our lives where God pulls back the covers and you go whoa for me I was 15 years old and I, somebody challenged me to read the Bible I start reading the Bible it's summer it's hot we don't have air conditioning I'm laying on the floor of my bedroom in front of the box fan to stay cool using rocks to keep the pages from blowing and I'm reading and I come to Hebrews chapter 2 verse 11 
blocked my way. Both the one who makes men holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. Therefore, he is not ashamed to call them brothers. God took the covers, peeled them back. I realized for the first time, Jesus Christ wants to be my big brother. He wants that kind of relationship with me. And I said, Jesus, if that's what you want with me, that's what I want with you, I'm in. The covers went back. When was it for you? When did God reveal his son to you? Because I guarantee you, he, he does. And then, here's the cool part. Look at what's next. There's a, key, there's a key word in there. The word in. You catch the word in? He reveals his son in me. Now, I'm not suggesting that Jesus has always been in you. But you give your heart to Jesus, you become a Christian, saved, and Jesus Christ begins to reside in you. And here's what happens. Slowly but surely, I begin to take on his character. Just like we sang last week, you know, capture me and throw away the key. Don't let there be anything left of me. You must increase, I must decrease. That's just the way that it's supposed to be. Don't let there be anything left of me. That's the idea, that over time, Jesus is revealed in me. It should happen that way, that over the years, you begin to go, man, that Rouse, he's looking more and more like Jesus. That's a good thing. It's a good thing. But see, what religion does is religion says, hey, you have to look like Jesus, so you better do this, 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 this. The gospel says, uh, no. Hang out with Jesus. Come into a relationship with Jesus. Jesus says, come follow me. Come follow me. We follow him. He rubs off. We start to look more like him. Very different approaches. And so the question you have to ask yourself is this, the change that you need to make. How deep do you want to go with the change you need to make? Do you want to go gospel deep? Or do you want to go just religious deep? Because religious deep is pretty shallow gospel deep goes right to the core but it doesn't end there you follow how the gospel works look at the progression of the gospel here's my former way of life i'm doing my own thing not paying any attention god starts off when i'm in the womb sets my destiny god starts calling me by his grace because i give him lots of reasons to stop calling he keeps calling the day comes when he reveals whoa, pulls off the covers, there's Jesus. He, and then I respond to Jesus. He begins to form Jesus in me. I become more and more and more Christ-like. And then the next spot, it comes full circle. Paul says, so that I might preach this to the Gentiles. You spill. Jesus spills. Now see, you know what religion does? Religion says, hey, you're a Christian, start sharing your faith. How well does that work? You and I have all heard those sermons. You know? It doesn't work so well, does it? And then you just feel bad because you're not doing it enough. But the gospel says Jesus Christ can't help but get out of you. If, the, Jesus, if Jesus is revealed in you, then he's going to spill out of you and people are going to see it. They're going to notice it. They see the change. They, they hear the difference in how you talk. They see the difference in how you run your family. They see the difference in how you work. They see the difference. It comes out. You can't hide it. 
Jesus says, you're a city on a hill, right? The light, you can't hide it. You can't hide a city on a hill. And that's you. And so a Christian who can hide their faith probably really isn't a Christian. If you have a faith that can be hidden, not much of a faith. But you come to Acts where like the first Christians, these guys are going, they're, they're getting beat up. They're literally getting beat up for their faith. And they go, oh, we can't stop talking about Jesus. It's like beyond switch got hit and they couldn't stop it. See, if I have a faith that I can control, it's not a very strong faith. I've just bought religion. I haven't bought the gospel. Because the gospel says Jesus' character is formed in me and he spills out. He spills out. You hear the difference? Isn't that awesome? Now, as you go through that, what's, what do you do in that? What's your role in those things? Right? My, uh, my only role is that I've responded. That's all I've done. I haven't, all I've done is said yes to God's overtures in my life. That's all I did. I just didn't resist him anymore. I just responded to God. God initiated it. God called. God set the horizons. God called. God revealed Christ in me. God, I mean, Jesus reveals himself through me to others. All I'm doing is just a willing vessel is all I am. You hear the difference in that? Religion says you have to do this, 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 this. The gospel says, would you just rest and come into relationship with Jesus? Because he wants to be your husband. You know, he wants to be your friend. I mean, he wants to be your shepherd. You're the sheep. I mean, the Bible gives us all of these word pictures. Pick one, you know. He, he, wants, to, he wants to relate to you like that. So two points and we close. Just two closing points, and that's this. The first is, the first is this. Uh, be wary of church. The most dangerous thing to the state of your soul is church, not the world. In fact, if you want to tick church people off,
example, you say, well, I really, you know, I really wish I was uh, snapping at my kids less often, you know? Man, my kids just really get me sometimes, and I blow up, and I wish I was, I wish I blew up less, right? Well, I guess there's two approaches to that. You have to ask, do I just want to blow up less, or do I want to be patient like Jesus? There's two very different outcomes there. You see what I mean? And so one is just religious deep. Religious deep says, oh, here, count to 10, count sheep, whatever it is. You know, you curb the behavior. Gospel deep says, come into intimacy with Jesus. Begin to relate to Jesus. Come follow me. After a while, Jesus is going to rub off on you, and his patience will become your patience. Friends, it's very important. You can submit to God's will in your own strength. You can. But God's will becoming your will, that's a miracle. Do you, do you hear the big difference there? A big difference in those two. You, in your own strength, you can submit to God's will. You can knuckle down. I'm going to read through the Bible every day, and I'm going to pray every day, and I'm going to help old, help old people and help poor people. And I'm going to, you know, just, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. I can be angry less often, and I, I know I can do it. And you can to a degree. You can submit to God's will, but it takes a miracle for your will to become God's will, for the for your heart to be changed and transformed that way. And that's where Jesus is heading with you and me. You hear the difference? That's the gospel. The gospel is Jesus makes you like himself. So the question is, how deep do you want to take the change you need to make? Do you just want to go religious deep? Or do you want to go gospel deep? Can you uh, pray with me? And we'll, uh, we'll just open up our time here for some ministry and um, just pray for us. Lord, I thank you so much, Jesus, that I get to be your friend. I thank you, Lord, that you didn't die on a cross to make me religious, but you went through all of that so that I could know you and that you could know me. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, I want to pray this morning that you would strip away from me anything that's religious. God, I don't want it there. I don't. I want to be, uh, I guess I want to, I don't know, I want to be simple in my faith, Lord. I want to love you, to be loved by you, to know you, to be known by you, to walk with you, and to talk with you. I pray that, Lord. I pray that you would strip away from us every religious tendency and that uh, we would simply be men and women in love with Jesus. Lord, I pray that uh, in this time that we would honestly respond to you. 